0: Hey, Barstool listeners, you can find every episode of this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music.
2: We're Give me a check real quick. Check, 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 check,
3: Test testes. Yeah, that's good. Testes. What? Testes? Well, it started, um, my buddy in seventh grade, we were in an auditorium, uh, and he went up on the hot mic and he just went testes, testes, one, two, three. Ever since then, just testes, the go-to mic check.
2: Facts. Testes.
3: Just Brandon Walker, just sitting in here, just thinking he can say whatever he wants off mic. Off mic, at least. Off mic, at the least mic. put the mic on if you if you want to j- our show. Yeah, if you want to talk, I, I know I know you are an anti-Philly, uh, anti-woman uh, podcaster, but I you can. Not <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> <laughs> just had to had to confirm it right there. But this is a pro-Philly podcast. That's this right. Is a, this is a pro-life uh or well i guess i can't (laughs) this is a pro this is a pro winning glory podcast where we just do what we have to do to survive around here and and sometimes prosper and roan we haven't talked in over a week you've been in la i've been at home i i went on my batshit rant the second that it happened what last wednesday thursday you went on a calm cool collected uh response on viva la stool Uh how are you feeling a week later That James Harden is now a sixer, and Ben Simmons is
2: done. It's almost surreal, because we almost took a bunch of garbage for him. Correct. We were very close to settling for garbage. There was a lot of people who were like, ah, just take what you can for him. Take C.J. McCollum for him. Like, take take these random people who— Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, Malcolm Brogdon in a first-round pick was like, people were beating the drum or like, we hey, missed Buddy our Hield. chance to get— Buddy Hill
3: to fit in this offense.
2: Or like, you're not even going to be able to get Levert and Brogdon from the Pacers. It's like, whoa. The fact that we wound up getting a top-ten player in the entire league still hasn't set in. And it might not be a good trade five years from now, but you did what you had to do to Mm -hmm. put us in the position to maybe win a championship this year, to maybe win a championship next year. We are primed for that. We have stars in their prime year. We have the time of potential, and that's gone now. We're past potential. We're in realized potential area in that era of basketball, and that's a good thing for the Sixers.
3: And you say they might not be uh, winning this trade in five years. Shit, they might not be winning this trade in a year and a half. But you know what happens if this trade doesn't go down? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And they had to take the chance. And people are saying, which is kind of true, James Harden, 33 years old. Hammy's about to pop. He might be having steaks and eggs at Delilah's every morning. All facts, all well and oh, good.
2: No, It's but, fine.
3: But you know what? He still is a top 10 player. He still is a first ballot Hall of Famer. He still, even in a down year, is averaging 22, 10, and 8. Come on, people. Come on. Be happy, and I think for the most part, Philadelphia fans are happy with this return for one Ben Simmons, the coward amongst us all. But now that we have Brandon Walker here, he can maybe chime in on this. Is Harden a healthy Harden, mind you? He's out through the All-Star break with a, a quote, hamstring injury, even though he's basically saying he's 100%. If he has even a tinkle of of, of, of pain in his hammies, rest him out through the fucking, until the playoffs. I don't care if they're a six seed, rest him. Because anybody who's had a hamstring injury in life, you don't want that for James Harden. That is the tweakiest muscle in the history of, of, of pain. Rest him until he's good. But a healthy James Harden with Joel Embiid right here, right now, I'm calling it best duo in the NBA. Can you think of somebody better? Brandon Walker, speak now or forever hold your fucking hairdo piece.
1: Well, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson exist.
3: Nope. Fuck them. Nope, not better.
1: Giannis Antetokounmpo and any human being alive.
2: Nope, not better. You like Giannis and Chris Middleton better than mm-hmm. Embiid and Harden? Be honest.
1: Uh, in twenty twenty two, I do.
2: Did you watch? Did you watch? Well, it depends.
1: Chris? If if you get peak James Harden, even for three months, then then yeah, you might have the best. There's no indication you're going to get peak James Harden. If you get peak James Harden, if you get 28 a night, James Harden, 14 assists, James Harden, then yeah, it might be the best duo in, in basketball. But that that's an if. 22
2: and t- 22, 10 and 8. Even that, it's it. I tell you what, you're talking like Giannis is a
3: 2019, 2020 MVP. Right now, the MVP is Joel Hansen Bede. He's the best player in the NBA. That's fair
1: enough. I'm just saying
3: uh, Giannis is the
1: is a reigning NBA champion. He's reigning, reigning Finals MVP. Like. He's a great player. Durant
2: and Kyrie is also a very good duo. When they're on the road, yeah.
3: yeah. T- fucking Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons saying that they're going to be scary, just the three of them playing. Nets Twitter and, and the people who cover the Nets, they might be mortal enemy number 1.1 1. 1 now, just behind Ben Simmons. These assholes just chirping, trying to say that James Harden is is, is a villain of all mankind, and Ben Simmons, oh, for all his faults, he's he's going to be the best version of himself and get better. Fuck every single one of you. There was this douchebag who's covering the Nets who had the audacity to say—
2: Who, Minka Kimes?
3: No, oh, no, no, else. Gotcha, no, gotcha. we're not bringing that in. <laughs> somebody else, I'm not even going to look up their Twitter. They don't deserve it. He stated, and this is a person who covers the Nets, Ben Simmons at least wears a mask on the, on the sidelines, unlike somebody who I will not mention. That was like kind of the quote. And
2: it's like, motherfucker, your starting point guard isn't even vaccinated, and you're going to pull that shit? It's preposterous, the spin that the national media is throwing on this right now. Let's talk about the points of spin. One, that Harden is the one that quit on his teammates. That Harden, who's playing through a hamstring injury right now as Durant is out and as Kyrie refuses to play basketball, he's the one that quit on the teammates when he's the only one that's fucking playing for the Nets. And he's been playing, trying to put the team on his back. And whatever disparities they'll claim happen between what he wanted to do playing style and what the coaches wanted to do playing style, that's spin too because... You had James Harden on your team, and that's exactly what you wanted. Spin number two, that Philadelphia. Fucking threw Ben Simmons under the bus for. We should put on a T-shirt the GIF of the dude who has is wearing the Ben Simmons shirt and trying to coach him on how to have proper free throw form. All through baby. We, we should have that frame by frame on a fucking T-shirt because that is Im- emblematic of how the entire city went down. We fucking defended Ben Simmons against all fucking odds, against everybody who came and talked shit on him, against all types of tyranny. People were throwing around fucking hellacious terms like balloon hands and we are the ones who went to bat bat for him. He put us in a fucking terrible position to have to go to bat for him because he sucked. In retrospect, he sucked. But we put on the cape for him just like the Nets fans are putting on the cape for him now, and they're in for a more rude awakening than the Sixers fans with James Harden. Oh, this
3: podcast that you're listening to right now was such a pro Ben Simmons podcast that I'm ashamed to look in the mirror every morning.
2: I am. But that's what we're supposed to do. We're Philly fans. We're not fucking GMs. We're loyal as fuck. Yeah, honestly, and and, and from the beginning, like we ha- have always been defending him, and the whole city has been in kind of lockstep with that defense. There's a very small minority that are the people who are saying, uh, like, who are, who are really talking shit on him, and a they vocal, a vocal minority. But they weren't even Philly fans. A lot of them, a lot of them were like purported NBA fans who were trying to like, you know, who who wanted to shit on him, and that's a- where a- the a- narrative a- came. Mike Mussinelli. That's, yeah, that's where the narrative came from. Like, it's people who wanted to have a hot take and shit on them, and shit on him.
3: I cannot wait for Frank the Tank to witness what is about to become of Ben Simmons. He is saying, I hate, I, he said today that he hates Brandon Walker, Frank the Tank hates Ben Simmons more than he hates, or excuse me, Frank the Tank hates James Harden more than he hates Vince Coleman. I do, think, I do think Nets fans are just
1: trying to catch up with you guys as far as – because you guys have had a legitimate reason to hate Ben Simmons for a minute, and they're trying to retroactively hate James Harden.
3: Well, that, that, that's the point. Vince Coleman – I don't know why they're going
1: for the credibility like like that.
3: Vince Coleman hasn't played in the majors since nineteen ninety 1996. Right. So, for Frank the Tank to hold that anger in and pen it up just so James Harden can come for about one full season and just hand over that hate – to, to James Harden is outrageous. Now, I didn't know this incident that Vince Coleman had where he apparently threw firecrackers into a crowd of kids. I did not know you didn't that. didn't know that? I did not know that. I, I was Vince it, Coleman, too. It is
1: odd that the Nets have a guy who is going through the vaccination thing and he's not playing half the games and he's he's missed. He's, he's flaked out a lot, and they purport to hate James Harden more than they hate him.
3: It's banana land. It's banana land. And James Harden, for whatever you want to say about him, from an outsider's perspective, yes, it does look a little, little awry, a little fishy, a little off that for two straight seasons he has traded from a team. One uh, with the Rockets where he's wearing a fat suit, that did not end well. And a situation with the Nets where it uh, clearly became toxic. Well, the Rockets got rid of Daryl Morey. They were in tank mode. He didn't want to stay there. Okay, chalk that up to that. The High Noon El Prez Pack is here, featuring my top four High Noon Vodka Seltzer flavors. These flavors include passion fruit, pineapple, pear, and all-new flavor, tangerine, all made with real vodka, real juice. This 12-pack is only here for a limited time, so get it while you can. Just look for the pack with my face on it. You can even scan the QR code in the pack and have me virtually join your party. Visit highnoonspirits.com to find the El Prez Pack nearest you. The Nets Obvious dysfunction town. Not only with Kyrie Irving playing half the games, you don't know what's going on in that locker room. You got Steve Nash coaching, who uh, apparently uh, did not deserve that job. That was well reported here. Barstool Sports on a specific block. You did not know what was going on through James Harden's head during those two very difficult situations. And for him to be reunited with Daryl Morey, I smell roses. I smell good times. I smell happy things ahead. Now, will that last? I don't know. I mean, we see this opt-in bullshit today. That apparently was the storyline since uh, last week, but it's just being brought out like to the forefront uh, recently. We don't know if uh, he's going to just screw him over at the end of this year, not opt-in, maybe not sign long-term. We don't know that. But with Daryl Morey and James Harden being one, I think it's the best possible thing we can ask for.
2: Well, I think he's going to opt in because the money that he gets from opting in in the long term is, is significantly more money than if he re-signs with a team as opposed to going somewhere else and being a free agent somewhere else. So I think he's going to opt in. He's operating without an agent I, right I, now. I, I agree. I think that was true oversight. I, I agree, but you still—
3: Yeah, you never know. Coley was kind of right. You just don't know. What if Embiid loses a leg? Like, walking down the street, and he's just like, okay, the Harden, okay, I'm going to the Lakers. You well, you know, what, know.
2: The, what the silver lining of that entire situation is? Is that we had a, an offer on the table for Harden last year that was essentially the same offer. Two first-round picks, Ben Simmons, but it also included Tyrese Maxey, and it also included Matisse Thibol. Yep. Now we're able to make that trade with our two brightest young, homegrown players in... Maxie and Theibel, and we're keeping them now. And so whatever would have happened last year and whatever happens going forward, we have the option to keep Tyrese Maxey and to try to build around him and to try to build around uh, Theibel as a great defensive player and... Embiid is still the centerpiece, so we freed up a bunch of money of a player who wasn't going to play, and instead we subbed in Seth Curry and we subbed in Andre Drummond. Now, do I value having a good backup center in Andre Drummond? Of course. 100%, because he was the best backup center that we've had during the Embiid era. But does the good of having Harden vastly outweigh the bad of losing two decent but also replaceable role players? The good is incredibly better than the bad.
3: Exactly, and even adding on those two first-round picks, the good outweighs the bad. And it's not even close. And you take a look at the standings right now. The Sixers going into tonight against the Celtics, uh, who are in sixth at 33 and 25. The Sixers are in fourth, 34 and 22. And not only are they are in fourth, they, uh, they've been winning without Harden consistently. And not only that, they've been winning even without Seth Curry and Andre Drummond and Harden. They beat up on the Cavs, who are third uh, at 35 and 22. They just win. They have that it factor. And adding Harden to the mix, I mean, the sky's truly the limit. The only thing is that, that the Sixers have that one flaw, which is detrimental to any it factor, and that is Doc Rivers in the playoffs. That's it.
2: You have Doc Rivers in the playoffs. You have Harden in the playoffs. You have not beaten the playoffs. Like, those are yeah. all, like, right now they all have that little bugaboo that they haven't been able to get out of the second round. That haunts them all. So no more, like, it's equally important to all of them. Can I say something?
3: You or you were free at will, Brandon Walker. All
1: right. I think there's a hunger factor here that, that you might not be factoring in. If you get hungry James Harden three months from now in the playoffs, yes. he's never he's never been the guy that won anything. If he were the missing piece to Philly, and you know Embiid's gonna be hungry as fuck, Doc, I don't I don't worry about. I don't really coaching in the playoffs it's about players in the playoffs. It's yeah. about players all the time. But if you get James Harden and he's pissed off and hungry and you faced the Nets in the second or third round. I mean, like, I hey, think you're in good shape.
3: First of all, you, you need to realize no, it's not about the coaches, it's about the players. But you didn't see uh, Glenn Rivers' line changes during last playoffs that cost him at least a game and a half. You didn't see uh, Danny Green lined up against Trey Young during the entire game one and nothing being done about it. That is coaching, and that is at least two and a half games fucked by Doc Rivers himself. But ultimately,
1: none of that was going to matter because the Bucks had the players. You were never going to beat them anyway. I
3: don't know. I don't know.
2: It would have been tough. I mean, been, and since... 15. Well, uh, it's it's... The question you have to ask is if the Sixers have made the trade last year for James Harden with the bigger package, would they have been able to beat the Bucs in that scenario? And I think, I mean, is Harden inspired? Is he not inspired? And I think his hunger this year, I think this might be your best crack at it because he'll be his youngest, he'll be his hungriest, and we're poised again. We are the number one seed last year. We're poised again to make a good run, and we should be disappointed if it ends in anything less than a championship. Let
1: me now say one more thing. Can I say one more thing? I you, will you no, be- oh, stop saying things. Go
3: ahead, Cousin Mike. You You can talk.
1: (laughs) So, James Harden is the kind of player that if you get him in this situation and you put all the weight of the world on his shoulders, I think he can deliver. Ben Simmons, you know he's going to shrink from the moment. He's shrunk from the moment his whole career, his whole life. He is always going to shrink from the moment. James Harden is going to be – I think this is like the best opportunity of James Harden's career, not just for the Sixers. It's the best opportunity of his individual career.
3: Yes, uh, James Sorry. Harden will, will, right. will take a stab at it more than Ben Simmons. Thank you for that hot take, fucking Copernicus. I
1: know it's not a hot take. I understand that, but it's still it makes it no less true.
3: I know, but still what you are discounting is the fact that Harden isn't going to have to be that guy to 100% hold the load on his shoulders. That's Joel Embiid.
2: I think Harden has the also the best part in the NBA right. I think Harden has also uh, shied away from the moment in in like closeout games. Uh, I think I've seen that he has his best performances early on in series or series when there's like when when there's a significant lead for his team, and so he hasn't necessarily taken over in massive games. I'm still looking for him to do that. Like I I, I would want him to do that, and I haven't seen that. I also think the hand-and-glove
1: fit with Embiid's skill set is a lot better than his hand-and-glove fit with Kevin Durant's skill set.
2: Oh, they
3: are an absolute matchup. They're yin and yang, yeah. They are One a thing matchup that's not, nightmare.
2: I mean, you're going to get other teams in incredible foul trouble. Those are the two best guys in the NBA right now at drawing fouls on, on other people. And it's almost like Embiid studied at the knee of Harden as far as that sweep-through move that he does that always gets contact. And I know they're calling a little bit less of it this year, but those dudes still get to the line a, a good amount.
1: You know what else I like? The Nets were not equipped to handle James Harden's weakness, which is defense and defensive effort. The Sixers are a lot more equipped to handle taking care of him than the Nets were. The Nets were a defensive – they were a problem all over their defense, whereas the Sixers are a strong defensive team. They're going to have to take care of Harden, but I think they're a lot better equipped for it.
3: But defense aside, obviously you're giving a lot up on defense just by adding James Harden. Who – on the nets, who on the bucks, who on the celtics, who on the bulls, who on the heat is going to be able to defend these two if they are playing at the top of their game.
2: What uh, yeah, like Rudy Gobert and fucking uh like who even is the the wing stopper on the on the jazz? Like there's no team that's really like has a a yang. They are a matchup w- nightmare.
3: They, the Sixers have put themselves in a position where if they play their game to their maximum ability, they might not be able to be stopped. I mean, god, uh, mean.
1: Giannis and Middleton and those defensive players in the Bucks are pretty okay. Pretty you fucking you, put, good. you
3: put you put Giroux, who's probably top three two way player in the league, you put him on James Harden. Who the fuck stopping him? Be because Giannis ain't, ain't guarding him. Nobody's helping.
1: And he's helping, and he's he's clogging. He's 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 helping tremendously.
2: The Bucks are the scariest team, and I was oh, saying yeah, that before sure. the trade that the Bucs are the scariest team for us. The Celtics are playing well right now. The addition yeah. to, of Derek White to the Celtics is a beautiful addition because they they have like a a more true guard that that they can throw with their uh, their wings that they have over there. But again, they don't have like Robert Williams isn't stopping Embiid.
1: Yeah, but if you if you don't trust Doc Rivers in the playoffs, there's no reason to trust what they got going on in Boston over the playoffs either.
3: No, no, and and. And Glenn Rivers, it's one of those things where I, I, if they don't make it, if everyone's healthy and they don't make it past the second round now, like he's got to go. He had. He's not the answer. Oh,
2: somebody, ha- I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, somebody has a phone. It'll probably be
3: Tobias, to be honest with you, but Doc Rivers has to go. Well,
2: well I mean, Tobias has benefited from this trade in a sneaky way oh, more yeah. than almost anybody because there's a big weight lifted off of his shoulders to have to be the number two because we learned early in the season that he's not a number two. He's not a number two, and we almost elevated Maxi to number two status because it's like yeah. Tobias, uh, he, he kind of shied away from it a little bit, like, which is fine, You and know that's what Tobi- we wanted him to You know
3: be. what Tobias has been doing very, very well playing as that number number two recently he's being aggressive as shaft and he will go to the basket and finish off uh, whatever the fuck he's doing back and down but he's also ripping he's gripping and ripping from the three-point line he has taken passes and just firing instantly and is benefiting him greatly
2: and i think it's nice that the sixers aren't going to have to rely on like um a bench unit led by George Niang or Furkan Miles to try and like score points. Like if doc staggers everything, right. Then we should be able to have like fun lineups that where Harden's on the court and Embiid isn't or like Embiid's on the court and like, and maybe Harden's sitting for a little bit. Like there's ways that you can have cool lineups where there should be no uh, like dip offensively.
3: I, I hope so. I hope so. I'm not necessarily sure I trust rivers with that responsibility, but right now you got three people who can handle the ball. Shake's back, you got Harden who can bring it up, and you got Tyree. So I mean that is hopefully solved. You're not having a lineup where Furcon is running point.
2: Harden but, has the best handle in Philly since Iverson easily. Oh yeah,
3: for sure. For sure. One thing I am a little concerned with is uh who is going to be on the court when Embiid is not. I mean, we got big ball paul. Uh okay. That's good. Just G G-League superstar. Uh, is he going to be able to handle the workload as, as that backup center? Is Millsap, that 50 years old, going to be able to go out there and give you decent minutes? Probably. But, but, I mean, we saw that before they signed Al Horford. When Embiid was off the court, that's when they went into fucking minus 40 mode for the game. That's my biggest concern right now.
2: That is, and that's a, that's a champagne problem to have. It is. Who's your backup center? That's a nice problem to have. It is, but that was the main problem when they lost to the Raptors. I think there's buyout options like a uh, Hassan Whiteside type of player or something like that who's like a rim oh, protector. I love Whiteside on this team. I think that there are like rim protectors who you could wind up with in a couple months. I also saw that uh, Tyrese Evans is back. Tyreek Evans. Great. I mix up Tyrese Halliburton, Tyrese Maxey, and Tyreek Evans. There's a, there's those names kind of th- always throw me. I have to think for a second. But – Evans is available again. Would you take a, a shot at him as a, a scorer to come off the bench, a second unit guy to light up the scoreboard a little bit?
3: I don't think they will, but I would.
2: Philly guy, rehabilitated off the drugs.
3: Good, good for him. Happy.
2: But I think that that's another another need that like another bench scorer. I think would be nice.
3: It would be nice, but I think they're they're, they're pretty set, at least in their minds right now? Because, I mean, what, what are you going to do? You, you, Furkan's already only playing eight minutes a night. Yang's, like, the go-to guy off the bench now. Like, what are you going to Just stop
2: playing Furkan? I mean, Furkan's supposed to be a shooter. He's shooting, like, 28% from three. That's not good at all. Meanwhile, Tyrese Maxey, sh- not supposed to be a shooter, shooting 40% from three. That dude's a fucking beast. He's so good. And having him learn under Harden is going to be really good for... Both of them. It'll be good for Harden to have like a little buddy to like bring around and coach. And for for Maxi, I mean, imagine him learning like any of Harden's guile, the the craftiness with which he plays the game. Like that would be a great club to add to his bag.
3: I just wish Maurice, Matisse-Thibel was averaging like nine points a game instead
2: of six. Dude, but he's the best. He's the best wing defender in the league. I know,
3: I know. But just like that, that little extra threat, just a little, just a little extra three points a game. That, I that know,
2: but you can't. A it's going to keep his price tag low, which is a big time spin zone by me. But at the same time, <laughs> it's going to keep his price tag low. You're going to be able to pay him later in his career. But the what he offers on defense and his lack of neediness on offense, when you have two high usage players like Embiid and Harden who really thrive like pounding the rock or getting like ISO looks for them, like you you're you need someone like Matisse who is happy to defer on offense. And he he doesn't need and he'll still play energetic on defense and he's not going to pout about it.
3: March 10th, 2022, that is the first game between the Brooklyn Nets and Philadelphia 76ers. It will be played at the Wells Fargo Center. Is Ben Simmons suiting up?
2: Will he be in the stadium for that game? He will be there. He said at his press conference today that he wants to play in that game. I believe that he will be there, but I also think that that's not going to be the first time that I see Ben Simmons. I plan to make my way to Brooklyn and boo him live. Yes. Full Sixers geared out. Mm-hmm. I just want to fucking let him hear it. I want him to know that there's a storm coming when he comes to Philadelphia, and the shit should travel him around. We should send a, 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 like a hired gun to every single game and have someone just boo him.
3: A figurative hired gun. Yes, yes,
2: exactly. I'm not yes. trying to Kanye West, Pete Davidson, the situation.
3: No, no. no I think there should be a, a Ben Simmons Boo Express where you just have the, like the the Dirty Thirty. Like, what are those guys doing now? Just put them on a bus and just have them follow Ben Simmons wherever he goes.
2: Need he good seats, though. He, like we can't out of sight, out of mind Ben Simmons. Yeah, but
3: I mean, in Brooklyn, with the crowds that they pull, like you probably could be heard from anywhere.
2: Yeah, oh, it's silent in that arena. And the way it's all metal, it's just going to the sound's going to clang around in there. He's going to be getting booed in a tin can.
3: The Philadelphia 76ers right now plus 700 to win the NBA championship. Brooklyn Nets plus 600. Milwaukee Bucks plus 650. Warriors plus four hundred, Suns plus four fifty. I mean, the Suns just get no respect. Suns are so good, and so they've good.
2: beat the they've beat really good teams. They be, I mean, they're the only team that have even given the Sixers trouble recently. And the Suns are so complete, and they play better against better teams. their Their starting lineup is like the most, damn near the most cohesive starting lineup in basketball. Good,
3: they're very good. Shout out Mikel Bridges. Wish he was a Sixer. They're like almost too good. Uh, to win the East, a little picks wit. Nets plus two sixty, uh, Bucks plus two seventy five, Sixers plus three hundred, and then the Heat plus five fifty. So basically, a four horse race on the Barstool Sportsbook for that Eastern Conference winner. Embiid um, plus one forty to an MVP, Jokic plus one or plus three fifty, Giannis plus four hundred. So he's pulling away with that. He's probably going to be minus money soon because he's putting up forty and ten nights.
2: And I'm excited to see MVP Embiid in the playoffs because this year he has leveled up his game considerably. Like seeing that in the playoffs is going to be even more exciting for Philly. It's going to be fun to watch seeing someone dominate the way he has. I mean, he just has—he just has so—he has such a complete offensive game, and he keeps on getting better. I didn't think it was fucking possible for him to keep on getting better, but he is, and it's a joy to watch right now.
3: He keeps on getting better as the only threat on the Sixers. That's what I don't understand—people aren't just triple-teaming him every single game, and even when they are, he's still finding a way to put up thirty and ten.
2: And he's unbelievable, freeing up the lane for other people. Like the fact that he can. I saw the clip of him today doing Harden's, like, little step-back three. There was, like, just the Keith Pompey video from practice or some bullshit. But it, the fact that he can, you know, be at the top of the key and demand the defender's respect, playing with a guy like Tyrese Max, who plays so downhill and is always crashing the basket. Like, you draw your big defender out to Embiid and you free up the lane. Like, the fact that he's able to do that without Simmons clogging the, the lane— our, our fit and our roster composition is in such a healthier spot than it was a year ago today.
3: And this is a question for you about Joel Embiid and Brandon Walk. You can chime in here if you if you actually like to say something. Uh, he is as dominant right now as any Philadelphia professional athlete has been in history, and I'm going to name a couple thrown out there that have been just as dominant. I mean, we're talking like eyeball tests last thirty years. I know Wilt like threw up numbers every single fucking season. We're not talking about Wilt. We're not talking about uh dude, fucking Norm Van Brocklin taking the ball for the, the the Eagles. Tommy McDonald, who I love and I'm sure it was great back in the day, he's not starting a, a D three fucking Susquehanna football program right now. Uh, we're talking about probably like last thirty years or so, the most dominant athletes in Philadelphia sports, uh, in recent history. Right now, it's Embiid. You have O one. Iverson, You got 06 Ryan Howard, where he threw up like 313, 56 home runs and 120-something and RBIs, and you have 2011 Roy Holiday.
2: Yeah, I was going to th- throw it, Doc. You got to have Doc in the mix. Doc had an incredible year that yeah. year.
3: I mean, just people. And, and maybe you can throw in Cole Hamels, NLCS, and World Series 2008. <sighs> nah, oh, nah, but nah. You, 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 That season, no, but during that time period in the playoffs, Cole Hamels was fucking Wicked! If he was throwing a curveball, if he was snapping one off. Nobody was hitting it, and he was MVP NLCS and World Series.
2: People aren't going to like this, but I mean, the start of Carson Wentz's 2017 season, he was playing. He was playing at an MVP level. I got like another. I, can, I got another equal for you.
0: We also have Bryce Harper, who's coming off an MVP right now. That would be. Yeah, absolutely. but I mean, but you, you I, have to say Bryce Harper.
3: You you have to put in the conversation, but. Bryce? It wasn't pure dominance like what Embiid's doing right now, like what Iverson did in two thousand one, like what Doc did in two thousand eleven. There were parts of the season where Bryce was struggling, where he hurt.
0: Yeah, but that's baseball. You can't you can't equate. Not Ryan
3: like, Howard
2: in two thousand six. Not Doc uh, in two thousand eleven. Uh, Doc in eleven too. Yeah, he was every but, outing. He was incredible. And I love pitching Bryce. is
0: pitching is different as you hitters go in slumps. I mean, I can't go through the entirety of Howard's oh six season, but.
3: Do do it because it's one of the best. I know, I know. That was that that was ridiculous. That
0: was ridiculous. That was ridiculous. But I mean, you have to put. We're talking MVPs, and you were just going to you were just going to not name the reigning MVP in Philly right now.
2: That's true. That Harper deserves to be in the conversation, but I think that Embiid's more dominant.
0: And I think I think so too. But I we were naming guys, and I didn't want Bryce to. uh, Shout out to Bryce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm maybe
3: not talking about the most stat-worthy or MVP performance. I'm talking about somebody when they're on the court, when they're on the ice, when they're on the floor, when they're on the diamond. You just know that they were getting it done every single time for periods of this season. Yes, Bryce Harper could be in that conversation. But I got another good one. T.O. 2004.
2: T.O. lit it up. Just knew. T.O. So was knew unstoppable. Couldn't be stopped. Could first be stopped. game, first play, bomb the T.O. Yeah, that's...
3: You got any Brandon Walker?
1: Well, they they predate – both of them predate your um, time frame a little bit.
3: Reggie, Reggie.
1: Reggie was one, but the biggest one is 1990, uh, Charles Barkley. should have won the MVP that year. Uh, he was the best player in basketball. Was he? Yeah, he was incredible. He and won
3: MVP in what, 94? He
1: won it when 95? he was with the Suns. Yeah, yeah but he should have won it in 90. Magic did win it, uh, okay. but uh, he should have won it. So I was going to go Reggie. I was going to go um, Barkley. Chuck. And then Randall Cunningham for a minute was absolutely dominant for about one year. Was that on the ninety ninety one somewhere there? Yeah. Um,
3: You're not thinking ninety seven Vikings.
1: I wasn't thinking that at all. It was ninety eight Vikings. They went fifteen to one, and the Gary Anderson missed a kick. But those are the three most dominant Philly athletes of my lifetime. I noticed I, it's weird. You didn't mention Chase Utley or Jimmy Rollins. And Rollins won an MVP. I know he wasn't yeah. dominant, but he was like everywhere.
3: He, that was statistically, like, one of the best seasons in Philly. It was it like
1: wasn't a 30-30, a wasn't he? He wasn't a force of nature like Howard was No, No,
3: No, I wouldn't say he was dominant. He was just, like, strikingly consistent yeah. and great. Like, consistently just great.
1: Always in the mix when th- good things were happening.
3: Howard during that 2006 season. Like, maybe it's not a fair comparison, but, like, you just knew he was coming up to the plate in a, in a moment.
1: I thought Ryan Howard was going to be one of the great hitters in baseball
3: history. From 2006 to 2011, he was.
2: I know. <laughs> Uh, and Utley is just like a winner. Like he's not like dominant, but you could definitely put him in like biggest winners in Philly history conversation. Mm-hmm. Is
1: there not a moment where uh, was he somewhere else? Was there not a moment where Cliff Lee spent like the second half of the season just absolutely wrecking in shit in Philadelphia
3: in two thousand nine, going through the World Series? I
1: feel like that one. It yeah, deserves.
2: that could be in there. He was absolutely. his second get. half two thousand nine was unbelievable. And he pitched the first game of the World Series that year, and that's yeah. the only game they won in the World Series. Yeah. But he was so hot oh, they that won Game
3: Five, but also a game he pitched.
2: Yeah, but yeah, he was so hot that they started him over Roy Holiday who's no, uh, Holiday wasn't on the team. Oh, he wasn't? Oh, that was the year before Holiday. It was
3: it Cliff Cliff Lee was traded right. for Roy Holiday. Or they traded Cliff Lee and then traded the Holiday. I mean, it was a whole mess. They weren't they weren't together until 2011. You're right. Four Horsemen, which uh,
2: and Joe Blanton, bro. Don't fucking disrespect and Joe, yeah, Joe ta- Blanton. The
3: old Taco Joe. You got to love
2: him. Uh, any clo- closers are, have the chance to be dominant as well. I don't know if you want to throw in. Can I just
1: uh, say the word Vicente Padilla? I just wanted to
2: say it. The Padilla, Padilla Flotea. Flotea, bro. <laughs> oh, <dude.
3: laughs> he was solid for a hot second. Uh, I, I was going to put Brad Lidge in that conversation, but Brad Lidge, for as, as perfect as he was in 2008 – uh, he just came in and he did his job. It wasn't like he was striking guys out, three
2: up, three down.
0: He uh, made you run. nervous every time, too. He yeah. always was bringing that winning run. I was on thinking of j- Jose
2: Mesa as a closer. I was thinking of Mesa, Mesa with the blue glove.
0: Joe Table?
2: Joey Table with the blue glove. Yeah, Jose Mesa's number two all-time in Philly saves. Is he? Yeah. Did he have a blue glove or a red glove? I know that at that same time, one Philly had a blue glove and one of them had a red glove. That shit was sweet, man.
0: Could have been the six-finger Alphonseca. Uh, uh,
2: Antonio
3: okay Not going to lie. Like, you know, happy. My my son is healthy, happy, all that. But if he was born with six fingers?
2: You uh, we would have to name him Antonio, though.
3: I, that's fine. And that's middle fine. name would have to be Alphonseca. Yeah.
1: Antonio
2: Alphonseca Smith. Can you imagine?
3: <laughs> that's fire. Can you imagine the split finger, though? Double A. Maybe. So let them double rip split it. finger. Oh. And there you go. There's a text from my wife. Can you send me a picture of your green card? Like, what does what does that even mean?
2: Green card. What does that even? I have a green card. I Where don't do have a green card. What do we just find out about Smitty? <laughs> <laughs> The oh
3: illegal boy. immigrant Smitty. Doing some
1: cartel work down in Mexico, yeah, have you? You better figure, out, figure your oh, shit out, Smitty.
3: Sh- i making a lot more money than I'm making right now. I'm not sure why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I like <laughs> it. It's that a Brandon good Walker fun time, Brandon talk Walker. Talking Philly sports. I yeah. give you all a third
1: voice every now and then. It's nice.
3: Uh, before we wrap up, we, we, we must mention uh, RIP to, to one of our favorites uh, all time. Uh, Carson Wentz it has been announced that he will most likely be traded or released or March, ending his one-year run in Indianapolis.
2: That man has fumbled the bag time after time again. Has he? Because he's made over a $100 million in his career. Uh, I mean, uh, he was still—the I, I the fact that he's about to be— I, I saw that it was floated that, like, is he going to retire after this? Like, that he might be out of football at, what is he, 26 somebody, or
3: 27? Somebody's going to take another chance on him. Like, somebody kind of has to.
2: But then he has to be a backup, like he. I don't think so. I think that he had. A chance. God, I think he might have the perfect
1: career. Like he gets, he's good enough to get the bag from a team.
3: Yeah, and but loses the-
1: it, goes somewhere else, and he's their new hope, and he's their new. And for a year, he gets to live that life. And then he he goes and gets another bag. Like he's making a ton of money. He doesn't have the pressure that Aaron Rodgers has every oh, year. No, people he, know had, he sucks. He had the pressure. He had he pressure, it, but that's he's, why he's
3: unanimously hated. The perfect career is a Chase Daniel. Just a backup? Just a backup and make close to a hundred million dollars just yeah. on the clipboard the entire time. And I'm gonna say stuff that, that that I'm I'm gonna be ridiculed for, but I have to say it because it's a part of my nature. The Super Bowl is going to save Howie Roseman in this administration till the end of time. People are lauding the GM of the Eagles and, and how they got out of the Carson Wentz situation. But seem to forget that they traded up to get Carson once. People applauded Howie for getting out of the Chip Kelly situation, but they also hired Chip Kelly. You're it right. All the way back to the Dream Team. I'm I'm just saying. Right. Like, I'm just throwing that out there. I'm just You're throwing right. that out there. Like, at what point do we stop the cyclical happy horseshit?
2: Because in 2017, we just said that he was having a dominant season. So it's not like he was yeah. damaged goods. Like, you, I think you have a way big, bigger and better gripe with how the Eagles have handled the Jalen Rager arc, career arc, than with how they handled Carson Wentz. Because they drafted him, he was good to start off, then they traded him at the right time and got good return on him. That's, like, a pretty good, like, if you had traded him maybe two years earlier, you get multiple first-round picks. But, like, we believe that Carson Wentz could have taken us somewhere because we're loyal-ass Philly fans and we support the dudes who are in town.
3: And the Eagles would not have won a Super Bowl if it wasn't for Carson Wentz. Facts. It's just a fact. Facts.
2: Facts. So why are we—I mean, you can't— I know. I just—I have to be
3: that asshole. I, I have to be that asshole. I don't like being this person. I understand. I have to be that asshole. That's why my wife wants a picture of my green card.
2: It is It is satisfying as fuck, though, to see that, that they're going to get off him. And what I mean by him fumbling the bag is, weren't they like 9-6, and six, and then they lost to the Raiders, and then they lost to the— uh, to the Jaguars in the last game, like
3: yeah, Carson Wentz bashing aside, I'm shocked that they're giving up on him after one year because for the most of the year, like he wasn't turning the ball over. He had the stupid Carson Wentz plays, and yes, he, he didn't step up when it mattered at the end of the season. But his like touchdown interception ratio was still twenty-seven like, to seven, wasn't it? Yeah, it was still like somewhat good, which is why I'm thinking like there might have been some other. Other shenanigans going on. Well, we watched
2: the game. Like, no, we saw what happens when Carson Wentz tries to play hero ball while he's about to get sacked. And he's yeah. a turnover machine. And you could make a fucking, like, uh, like wide world of sports like fumble video of of Carson Wentz this past year like of him throwing the ball at the stupidest fucking times or like whipping the ball from his own end zone as he's being dragged down for like a pick six or like fumbling a shovel pass like that's what defines Carson Wentz's career and it's sad when they think that they're going to bring in a Teddy Bridgewater or some fucking like random stopgap like who because they don't have a first round pick and so maybe they try and draft like Carson Strong in the second round and get another Carson in, in Indy, but I don't know who. I don't know what their recourse is if they're not going to run it back with Wentz, because you might as well just keep it for a year and then draft a second round quarterback and hope that they. But maybe they're going with Jacob Eason or whatever.
3: Smart play to leave the room while dropping a wide roll of sports reference uh by Baron Walker. Otherwise, <laughs> he'd be going off on it right now. Yeah, he, he would. Might have dropped his pants. Yeah, he would have loved was that shit that reference. Uh, but you're right. Like I, I don't understand why, why the Colts wouldn't just kind of keep him for another year. Which is something. he must have sucked, dude. Yeah, you, well, I mean, Frank Wright was one of his biggest supporters since the beginning of time. Like something must have sour there cause They're you know, running
2: attack. Y- you
3: know, if Frank Wright wants him there, he'd be there. So obviously, this is Wright's call. To.
2: Or the writing must have been on the wall. Like they must have been so fucking fed up with him that they that the entire city kind of spoke. As one. Like, they kind of all – but it couldn't have gone better. I mean, the fact that he was there for only one year, played enough games, we have their draft pick now, and hopefully we get a D-end or a cornerback with it.
3: Hopefully we get all, all of the above. Uh Wrapping it up, picks with Sixers. Uh Hopefully this podcast will be out beforehand, but we have a bet with Barstow Philly tonight for the Boston Celtics coming into town 30 and be 30-10 and with a win. Uh, it's being boosted from plus 240 to plus 300 got Any futures or anything? Uh,
0: Villanova f- minus four and a half. I'm going to add massive game, massive, massive game tonight. Yeah, yeah
3: okay. K- keep it in your pants, Max. Please.
2: I've had some. Uh, I've had some good success. Villanova. Oh, I've had some good success messing around with uh, a Temple basketball. Ooh. Uh, I, I'm not sure what what Temple's next game is.
3: Shout out, Mr. McKee.
2: Yeah, shout out to to Aaron McKee. <laughs> but uh, Temple basketball has been treating me well. Um, in, but, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. I I don't have one zeroed in. And I mean, I put in a futures bet a while ago for the Warriors to win the championship.
3: Still a good bet. They're favorite.
2: Yeah, yeah. Th- and uh, they are. They do look good. But I do kind of wish that I had um, waited and bet the Sixers to to win the championship.
3: You still can.
2: Yeah, I I absolutely still can, and I still might get a, a little double double action on it. But uh, as far as a future, that's that's one that's. Uh, Quite enjoyable to me. I would love the Sixers to win an uh, NBA championship.
3: All right. And that's Picks Wit. And that's first time, long time. We'll see you next time. Line up and listen. Appreciate you, brother. Yeah. No, thank you. Sorry, I got to run. <coughs>
0: thank
3: you, Max.